0: blog talk radio all right sports fans how's everybody out there doing william martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 pounds of sports knowledge show As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful first evening of October for 2017, I can gladly once again Tell the world that Ms. Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, week number four in the NFL season is nearly in the books. And with that said, we were provided with some very good action this day. And I want to start off with a big one that took place in Foxborough as you had the defending Super Bowl champions and the New England Patriots coming in with a record of 2-1, and one, and they were hosting the 2-1 Carolina Panthers. Now, it was knotted at 3 after the first quarter, but New England got the first touchdown of the game early in the second quarter when quarterback Tom Brady found wide receiver Chris Hogan from 2 yards out, which capped off an 11-play 74-yard drive, which gave New England the 10-3 to three lead. Now, Carolina would immediately respond as they put together a six-play, 75-yard drive in just under three minutes. And it was capped off when quarterback Cam Newton found running back Fozzie Whitaker on a 28-yard touchdown pass to not the score at 10 apiece. Now, it was 13-10 to 10 in favor of New England late in the second quarter when Newton found wide receiver Devin Funches from 10 yards out and this capped off a nine-play, 84-yard drive to give Carolina their first lead of the game. At 17 to 13. Now Stephen Gostkowski would connect on his third field goal of the half. However, Carolina would take the 17 to 16 lead into the dressing room. Now Carolina was able to extend their lead late in the third quarter when Newton found Funchess this time from 16 yards out. However, the extra point was missed, and Carolina had to settle for a 23 to 16 lead. Now, early in the fourth quarter, Carolina once again was able to extend that lead as Newton called his own number and scored on a seven-yard touchdown run to give Carolina the 30-16 to lead. Now, you knew that New England was not going to go down without a fight and they rallied the troops. Immediately, the Patriots were able to put together a nine-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off by an eight-yard run from Deion Lewis to make it 30-23. to And after a defensive stop gave the football back to New England, Tom Brady drove the Patriots down the field on a 10-play, 49-yard drive, which included them going forward on fourth down, and he found wide receiver Danny, and Danny Amendola in the end zone from a yard out to make it 30-29, to 29, and of course, Nostowski would make the extra point. Carolina would get the football back, and it did appear that New England did stop Carolina on a three and out. However, the Patriots were called for illegal hands to the face, which provided an automatic first down for the Panthers. They never relinquished the football again, and as time expired, Graham Gano connected on a 48-yard field goal to give Carolina the 33 33- 230 30 victory today in Foxborough and you look inside of the numbers and Carolina was able to get 444 yards of total offense against this Patriots defense while they were six of nine on third down Carolina played a very disciplined game why because they only had one penalty today and that is very tough to do in The NFL now looking inside of the individual numbers Cam Newton was 22 of 29 passing for 316 yards or three TDs and a pick while he was sacked twice by this Patriots defense his counterpart and Tom Brady was 32 of 45 passing for 307 yards with two TDs and no picks while he was sacked three times by this Carolina front. Rob Gronkowski was somewhat held in check today as he had four receptions for 80 yards, while James White did have 10 receptions coming out of the backfield for 47 yards. But I look at it like this with this New England Patriots team. It's been the same theme for the Pats early on this season, and they're just not making enough plays defensively. We saw it in week one where Kansas City had their way with them we saw it in week 2 in spite of the fact that they got the victory where their defense gave up a ton of points to the Saints we saw it last week where they had to fight scrap and claw at home versus the Houston Texans and for New England you got to look at things like this you're 2 and 2 but you very easily could be 0 and 4 and you know a lot of it is on the defensive side of the ball you saw that New England lost some very key components from their Super Bowl-winning team. You look at Chris Long; he's now with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. You look at Rob Ninkovich; he retired. Okay, and those are two guys up front. They might not have had the stats last year, but they were veteran guys and they knew how to go out there and make those key plays. The Patriots still don't have that, and I mean, but at the same time, we've seen it in recent years where New England has started off slow. And they have really picked it up come late October, early November. They've been able to get their sea legs, so to speak, and get on a roll. And before you know it, they are once again a team to beat in the AFC East. Now, on the flip side for Carolina, credit where credit is due. First and foremost, to head coach, Ron Rivera. This was a team that looked bad last week at home against the New Orleans Saints. And they really rallied the troops and they, they they took the trip up north and they went to a place where it is very difficult for road teams to get the victory, but they did it. And I think the biggest reason for that was the poise of Cam Newton. And you know, this is all about the maturation process of one Newton. We already know that he does have one uh MVP award under his belt and now to go out there and get a big victory where nobody really gave them a chance. Remember Carolina was a a nine-and-a-half-point underdog coming into this contest. But all of the credit where credit is due, as Newton found a way to help his team and lead his team down the field to get a big victory over the Patriots in Foxborough. Now, looking ahead to uh, week number five for both of these teams, Carolina will be on the road to face the Detroit Lions, while New England will have a very short week as they will be on Thursday Night Football to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, two teams that were looking to get back on track, and there is no love loss between these two rivals. You had the 2-1 Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to take on the 2-1 Baltimore Ravens. Of course, the Steelers simply looked flat throughout their loss on the road last week versus the Chicago Bears while the Baltimore Ravens went to London last Sunday and they got the brakes beaten off of them at the hands of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the Pittsburgh Steelers put together a statement drive in the first quarter. Now it did not result in a touchdown for the black and gold, but it did result in a 30 yard field goal by Chris Boswell. And the reason why I say it was a statement drive, 16 plays, 84 yards and it ate up nearly 10 and a half minutes worth of game time and because of that the Ravens defense was fatigued and they never recovered from it it was six to nothing late in the second quarter in favor of Pittsburgh when they finally got a touchdown as Le'Veon Bell punched it in from a yard out to give them 13 to nothing advantage and just before halftime Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger found rookie wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster from 11 yards out to make it 19 to nothing. Now Pittsburgh would go for the two-point conversion and fail and they had to settle for the 19-nothing lead at the half. Now it was 19 to 3 in favor of the Steelers midway through the third quarter when Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco found former Steelers wide receiver Mike Wallace from 16 yards out to make it 19 to 9 as Baltimore would miss the extra point and it appeared that the Ravens were going to find a way to make a comeback, but late in the fourth quarter, Le'Veon Bell salted the game away with a one yard touchdown plunge to give Pittsburgh the twenty six to nine advantage. The Steelers would not look back today as they went on to get the twenty six to nine victory and, and inside of the numbers. Pittsburgh possessed the football today for more than 35 minutes, and a big portion of that was their running game. The Steelers had 173 yards in the ground this afternoon, with Le'Veon Bell having a heavy dose of that. Why? 35 carries for 144 yards with two TDs. So for all of you fantasy buffs out there, that have Le'Veon Bell on your team, I guarantee you he made you a happy customer today. Also, the Steelers defense stepped up as they stacked Ravens quarterback, Joe Flacco, today four times, and they really shut down this Ravens offense. Looks like we have a caller coming in, so I'm going to bring the caller in. Caller, welcome to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show.
1: Hey, what's going on, man? This is Bryce calling from Brooklyn.
0: Hey, how you doing?
1: Hey, doing good. Just just wanted to call in real quick, talk about that Steelers-Ravens game, talk about my Steelers.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I had just uh, started uh, talking about it. and I'm going to, you know, let you allude to it. Uh, for me, I saw a Pittsburgh Steelers team, and we've seen this the past few years of the Steelers, where, you know, they play down to an opponent, and then they come back the next week and they get physical. And I think, you know, not only getting physical, but I think – Playing a team like the Ravens on the road, you know that you're always it's always going to be a physical game. Typically, the first team to 20 wins. And, you know, Pittsburgh, it's early on, but I think they, they had that sense of urgency. And granted, you know, that first quarter drive did not lead to a touchdown. But any time that you can possess the football for more than 10 and a half minutes, it sets a tone. It wears out the defense. And to me, Baltimore never recovered after that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would, have to, I would have to agree with that. You know, there was a stat I saw that in the past, like, eight meetings, the team that leads after the first quarter tends to win the football game when Baltimore and Pittsburgh play. I think it's a game of attrition. There's also a game of momentum. If you can get the lead, particularly on the Baltimore Ravens, that offense is showing it is not really consistently a come-from-behind team. Pittsburgh came out. They drove, like you said, they drove the football. They were able to establish the line of scrimmage. I thought, you know, with Yonda being out, with Brandon Williams being out, Pittsburgh was able to give them the business on the line of scrimmage, and that's where they won the football game. One of the things you could see in Pittsburgh's front seven is they are strong and they are active. Those, those seven starters get after you. Um yep. a 3-4 defense, they have very good defensive ends. They've got... A great up-and-coming player in Hargrave at the nose tackle. Shazier's at linebacker, and they have two outside linebackers that are young, athletic, and relentless in Watt and Bud Dupree. And those starters get after your offensive line. Ravens down a couple guys on the offensive line, they really took it to them in the trenches.
0: Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh, you know, if you look at it like this. Cleveland, they're Cleveland, so I mean, you really can't expect anything from the Browns. Cincinnati, you know, they look like they've taken a step back this season. Baltimore appears to be the closest competition for Pittsburgh in that division. But you know what? If you if you're the Steelers and you have an opportunity to really put some distance between yourself and the rest of these teams early, do it because the past few years, I think what has hurt Pittsburgh the most is them playing down to their level of competition. And it hurts them come January for the playoffs. Why? Because either you're starting in the wild card round or, you know, you get that first round bye, but then you end up having to travel to a New England. You have to travel to Denver for those key playoff games. And it's all, it always puts Pittsburgh at a disadvantage. I mean, we've seen New England down a little bit now. So if you're a Pittsburgh, you want to try to stay a step ahead of them in the standings because, you really want to try to have that playoff game with New England in Heinz Field. Because, I mean, I know that New England has started slow, but we all know that it's probably still going to come down to Pittsburgh and New England in the AFC. And I think what has hurt Pittsburgh the most over the past few years, they have a good team, but having to go to Denver and having to go to New England consistently in January, that's never really a good recipe for success.
1: Oh, I have to agree with you 100% on – in terms of Pittsburgh playing down to the competition, that is a problem, particularly on the road. Uh, that loss to the Chicago Bears was an embarrassment. They were outcoached. The scheme, the schemes on both sides of the football, particularly Keith Butler's defensive scheme, was horrible. They looked like they hadn't practiced for the stretch play. Traditionally, when teams want success in the run game against Pittsburgh, if they have any chance, they run the stretch play. Um, that's been what teams have gone through. Pittsburgh should be practicing it from day one in camp. We're going to stop the stretch play. They've got, as I've said, they've got the young linemen. They've got the linebackers now that can flow that should be able to stop the stretch. Did a little bit better today, still too many times. Carl Alex Collins popped off big, 50-yard runs, 30-yard runs, too many times. So they've got some work to do there. In terms of going to New England, that's the, really the team that I feel, you know, you you want to stay away from them because they haven't figured that out. Denver, they beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs with a lot of injuries. I felt Pittsburgh should have won that football game, we were turnover late in the game. I think Pittsburgh, since 2015, since we've really seen the Denver defense, I put that in quotes, really rise up, they've been no match for Pittsburgh's offense. Pittsburgh has gone up and down the field. They can't stop Ben. Too many weapons. Um, but I think if you if you don't drop a lot of those games – this season, I think the fact that you've gone on the road in Cleveland in the first game where anything can happen, and now you've gone to Baltimore, you've got two good road wins in the division. I think you're sitting really good. And, um, yeah, I like where the team is going, but there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, too many penalties on offense, too many pre-snap penalties. Ben's missing too many wide open receivers on the road. Guy's just running free. He can't get him the football So he's an all-world quarterback. He's got to play more like it.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, you look ahead to next Sunday, and Pittsburgh has Jacksonville at home, and Pittsburgh has already opened up as a nine-point favorite. So, I mean, it's good on one thing that the Steelers are home, but it's also scary that they're a nine-point favorite because typically when Pittsburgh is a big favorite, The game is much closer than that. And, I mean, you look at the fact that Jacksonville has shown that they can run the football this year. But even with that said, I think that's a game where Pittsburgh needs to go out there. You know what? Let's get up on this team early. Let's take the running game away from Jacksonville and make Blake Bortles beat us with his arm. Because what we've seen from Blake Bortles throughout his career is when he has to beat you With his arm and solely with his arm It's basically time for the opposing Defense to tee off and you talked about You know the youngsters like Bud Dupree And TJ Watt if Pittsburgh can get Up by two touchdowns or more Early on I expect those guys to have A field day Yeah
1: that Pittsburgh opening Up as a nine point favorite is absolutely Ridiculous Jacksonville Is a young um, up And coming team they are yeah They are not to be they're not to be messed with in terms of underestimating them. Um, they, that defense is legit. Um, they make plays. They fly around the football. They play very, very fast. And when you play fast in the NFL like they do, you get a chance to create some havoc, which they've done. I thought they should have won that game today against the Jets. Um, but they're mm-hmm. young. And so, you know, learning how to win. But that defense is for real. Do not get it twisted. There's a, you know, say what you want. There's a reason why I was a top, I believe, eight fantasy defense. Um, because they've got a lot of talent, they have two very good young corners that are going to play really aggressive. They're going to press you. They're probably going to talk a lot. So this nine point at home, nah, that, this could definitely be a close game. And the key to all of these early games for Pittsburgh, with the team they have, just like you said, you got to get the early lead. You make these teams right. play from behind, and then and then more and then more of their immature personality comes out, and then you've got a chance yep. to be successful. Um, particularly with Blake Bortles, uh, who's prone to make some mistakes. So I think if you can do that at home, get the early lead and control the game, um, you have a chance. You have a good opportunity to be successful. But <laughs> nine, point, uh, 9 point favorite. I think that's ridiculous. This game could definitely be a lot closer.
0: Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. And, I mean, Jacksonville, even, you know, going back to the time when, you know, the Steelers and the Jags played together in the AFC Central, you know, those games were always tight. It didn't matter whether it was in northern Florida or it was in western PA. Those games, you know, were always tight. Now, I want to get your opinion on one team here. The Buffalo Bills, because you talked about defense, and the Bills defensively, have been lights out so far this season. I mean, granted, you know, the first game was against the Jets. You know, they had a Broncos team that's, like, offensively so-so last week. And today, you know, they faced the Falcons. And, of course, both Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu left the game with injuries. But you look at this Bills team that really went out there and made a difference as Buffalo was able to go on the road and get the victory against the Atlanta Falcons – And you're looking at this Bills team, they're playing solid defense. They're not allowing teams to score points. They forced two interceptions from Matt Ryan today. They had 117 yards rushing. Tyrod Taylor only threw the ball 20 times while Buffalo rushed the football 36 times. Do you really think that Buffalo has what it takes to be a playoff team in 2017 and break that drought that goes back to 1999 as far as them not making the playoffs?
1: Well, real quick, before I get to that, and I definitely will, that's a great question. Um, Leonard Fournette is a guy, watching him today, he runs the football hard. And Pittsburgh, oh, like yes, you said, definitely. better get that early lead. Better get that early lead because that guy's a game, that guy's a playmaker. You don't want it to be late in the game where, where he's getting touches um, and has a chance to exploit his own athleticism against your defense. You you could be in trouble. So, Yes, hopefully Pittsburgh can do that. In terms of the Buffalo Bills, listen, the Buffalo Bills, if anything, and you can see it, on defense are a more disciplined, well-coached team because Leslie Frazier is defensive coordinator. Um, look, I like our young defense, but Keith Butler, our defensive coordinator, who I like, has a tendency to have games where he has brain cramps. You want, I don't know if you're going to get that from Leslie Frazier. He is a top defensive coordinator, and he's got that defense coached up, tackling and playing well. And listen. The Bills aren't the most talented defensive team. I think they've got a good defense. But when you're at, but, but the NFL, as you know, is a coaches' league. I and mean, when you've got good coordinators and good staff that have schemed up guys and have them ready to play and they're playing with a lot of passion and enthusiasm and discipline, you, have, you can be good against anyone and they're playing with a lot of confidence. I don't think Buffalo, no, I don't think they can be a playoff team. Not yet. But if they keep Leslie Frazier and use more talent to that defense to help out the offense, and play, you know, play a certain way, maybe next year or the year after, they can have an opportunity.
0: I mean, I look at them right now, and it hasn't taken them that long to buy into what Sean McDermott is selling. And, I mean, granted, you know, it is a feel-good story that they are in first place in the AFC East right now with a record of 3-1. and one, But we all expect New England to really get it going, especially right. – on the defensive side of the football at some point. Can the Bills possibly get a wild card? Possible because, you know, they could be this year's Miami where, you know, we saw Miami come out of nowhere last year, you know, to get a wild card spot. I mean, you look at it right now that we don't know how long that Derek Carr is going to be out with that back injury for the Raiders. And, I mean, if he is, you know, that really changes a lot of things. I mean, you have to look at Denver – as a potential playoff team. But then you look at that AFC South, and it's not – I don't think this is going to be the typical AFC South this year. I mean, excluding Indianapolis because, you know, they're nothing without Andrew Luck. And, I mean, they're really really not good with him either. But, I mean, you look at the ability for the Texans to run the football and Deshaun Watson is showing flashes. You look at the ability for the Titans to to run the football with Mariota, DeMarco Murray, and, of course, Derrick Henry, and they're playing – pretty good defense under Dick LeBeau granted that was not the case today but then you also look at Jacksonville like we just talked about with their ability to run the football so i mean i think buffalo could be around in the mix for a wild card spot i mean anything can happen but at least early on they've bought into what Sean McDermott is selling
1: yeah yeah i mean possibly i just look at them i look at them as coming back to the mean um, mm-hmm. I look at that offense, Shady McCoy, of course, the Shady McCoy. I, I'm, Tyron Taylor, the consistency. I'm not sure if a 16-game schedule, he can be consistent. Um, I think the defense right. will be well-coached. They definitely look like they've bought in, but I'm not sure this is the year that, that they do it. I fully expect Oakland, the AFC West to have three playoff teams, Um, Oakland, Denver, and, and Kansas City.
0: Kansas City. Um,
1: the, yeah, the AFC South still not sold on. You gotta see what happens with Deshaun Watson throughout the whole the whole season. But I like what I see. Um, but the Bills, hey, they're playing disciplined football, they're giving themselves to be a physical, they're giving themselves a chance to win. Um, that's what Pittsburgh has that's what Pittsburgh has to do. They have to play they have to definitely move to play more discipline. Too many penalties. Um, penalties kept that game closer than what it needed to be, and then right. Right, Pittsburgh are missing throws. So the Bills right. being disciplined on defense is helping their cause.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Buffalo, they're believing right now. I mean, again, 1999, you know, was the last time that Buffalo uh, made the playoffs. Of course, they were the victims of that Music City miracle. And who knew that when Buffalo walked off of the field that afternoon, that it would be nearly 20 years later and they have still – not made the playoffs. And, you know, and for me it's one of those things where, you know, the Bills, they just had they were so close throughout the nineties. I mean, four straight trips to the Super Bowl and I mean who knows how different they would be talking about this franchise right now had Scott Norwood made that kick. Uh, you know, and then you go back uh to, you know, that Music City miracle and I, I really think, you know, that fan base up there in western New York I mean, they are just itching to explode. I mean, I go back, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was 2004 where Buffalo went into Week 17 with a win-and-in scenario, and they faced Pittsburgh and lost, and then the Jets got the second wild card, and, I mean, that was a home game. Uh, So, I mean, this Buffalo franchise, they just need something to get over the hump, and I think that they're a good start right here. You know, something for them to feel good about. Granted, they still have to play – uh, New England twice this year So I mean You, I mean, you don't know what's going to come out of those games But I mean right now At least if you're Buffalo You definitely got to feel good about this
1: Yeah definitely Look 3-1 and one is 3-1 and one. And mm-hmm. yeah I mean you'll take it as you, as it comes But can they sustain it That's what, that's what we have to see um, I actually have to head on out But I wanted to leave I wanted to leave with this I think Okay when it, comes to, when it comes to Pittsburgh, I think when you look at their offense, they play, mm-hmm. you know, week one, week one you always throw out because anything could happen in week one with any team. You know right. How bad the team is, how good the team is. So, Browns were game on the road. But I think they played the Vikings. They played yeah. the Ravens. They have the mm-hmm. Jaguars coming up. They have the Chiefs coming up. They have the Lions coming up. So, those right there. Five pretty good defenses that they're going to see as their offense gets on track. If they come out of that looking, if they come out of those games with wins, Pittsburgh's going to be sitting real pretty because I think the rest of their schedule they're not going to face defenses um, quite like the ones that they played in the beginning of the season. And hopefully, they're hitting their stride. Um, and, and we'll see how that goes.
0: Well, you know, j- just before you go, I I'll, always I'll, first and foremost always appreciate you calling in. I just want to add to that. I think, you know, Martavis Bryant coming back this year is going to help them big time because, you know, this guy was out of football for all of 2016. And you could see early on, this guy is motivated. And I think he's motivated to the point that, you know, he's put his past issues behind him. And he knows that this is an opportunity for him to be a part of something special. And I've been saying it ever since last season when Big Ben, you know, threw it out there that he might retire I think the Pittsburgh was going to come into the season all in, you know, trying to get to that Super Bowl, because this is probably it for Big Ben, you know, win, lose, or draw. So, I, I, I mean, just to, just to piggyback off of what you said, I think Pittsburgh is going to be focused this year. I'm not saying that they get home field advantage, but I, I do think at the very least I think they get a first-round buy because in recent years they've seen how important it is. And for you to have to not get on a plane – in January and have somebody have to get on a plane to come play you is a big difference. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Absolutely. All right, man. I got to get off the phone. Always good talking with you.
0: All right, man. It's always a pleasure. Thanks again, man. Take care. You too. Now moving right along and staying in the AFC, we have the uh, two and one Oakland Raiders traveling to take on the 2-1 Denver Broncos, and both of these teams were looking to get back on track after they fell on the road last Sunday. And it was Denver who got the scoring going midway through the first quarter when quarterback Trevor Simeon connected with tight end A.J. Derby from 22 yards out, and it gave Denver the early 7-0 advantage as this capped off a 7-play 88-yard drive. Now, it was 10-0 in favor of the Broncos late in the second quarter when Raiders quarterback Derek Carr connected with wide receiver Johnny Holton on a 64-yard touchdown pass to make it 10-7. to Now, this game really changed during the third quarter when Carr sustained a back injury and he was taken out of the contest and he would not return. Carr would be replaced by former Buffalo Bills quarterback E.J. Manuel, who was 11 of 17 for 106 yards with no TDs and a pick in relief. And the, uh, the Raiders, rather, did have an opportunity to come from behind and steal this game late. But Manuel was picked off, and the Raiders, pardon me, the Broncos, rather, were able to run out the clock. And Denver escaped with the 16-10 to 10 victory this afternoon in mile high, and you look inside as the numbers, and the Broncos got back to running the football, which is something that they were unable to do last Sunday in their loss against the Buffalo Bills, led by C.J. Anderson today, who had 95 yards on the ground. Denver, as a team, was able to rush for a buff 43. Amari um, Cooper was really shut down by this Broncos defense as he only had two receptions for nine yards. And a lot of that was due to the fact that AC number one didn't have his quarterback for the whole game in Derek Carr. But on top of that, there was no Michael Crabtree today. So that really changed what the Raiders were able to do this afternoon. And, you know, Derek Carr hopes to play in the Raiders' next game. But I'll tell you like this. If the Raiders are not going to have a healthy Derek Carr out there, a la last season, they really do not have a leg to stand on. But on the flip side for the Denver Broncos, you know, you look at this squad, and they are a different team at Mile High. And we saw them get away from running the football effectively last week, and I think that was a credit to the the defense of the Buffalo Bills. But I think it was important for Denver to get back on track uh, this afternoon at home as they look to try to keep pace – with the Kansas City Chiefs for the top spot in the AFC West. Now, for Denver, they will have their bye week next Sunday, while Oakland will find themselves at home taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, moving right along, you had the 2-1 and one Los Angeles Rams making the trek to AT&T Stadium in Arlington to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, it was tied at three after the first quarter when the Cowboys put together a 15-play 81-yard drive, which ate up more than eight minutes worth of game clock, and it was capped off when quarterback Dak Prescott found running back Ezekiel Elliott from 10 yards out to give the Cowboys the 10-3 to lead. Now, it was 10-6 to in favor of Dallas later on in the second quarter when Elliott scored again, this time on the ground as the Cowboys extended their lead to 17-6. to It appeared that the Cowboys were ready to put this game away. However, a muffed punt, set up the Rams first touchdown of the game midway through the second quarter when quarterback Jared Goff found Cooper Cup from seven yards out to make it seventeen to thirteen. Dallas would immediately respond as they put together a nine play seventy five yard drive which is capped off when Dak Prescott found Bryce Butler from ten yards out to extend their lead to twenty-four to thirteen. Now it was twenty-four to nineteen in favor of Dallas late in the third quarter when Jared Goff found running back Todd Gurley coming out of the backfield for a 53-yard touchdown pass as the Rams had their first lead of the contest at 26-24. to Now, a pair of Greg Zerline field goals would extend Los Angeles' lead over Dallas to 32-24, to but midway through the fourth quarter, Dallas did mount a rally when Prescott found James Hanna on a 28-yard touchdown pass to make it 32-30. to However, Dallas would attempt the two-point con- uh, conversion and come up short and the score remained thirty-two to thirty. Another Zerline field goal made it thirty-five to thirty, and the Cowboys attempted to go ahead once again, but they were denied and shut down as the Rams went on the road this afternoon and got the thirty-five to thirty victory over Dallas. And you look inside of the numbers, Jared Goff was twenty-one of thirty-six passing for 255 yards two hundred and fifty-five yards or two TDs and no picks, while the Rams had hundred and sixty-eight yards on the ground with 121 of those coming from Todd Gurley on 23 carries Gurley also managed to lead the Rams in receiving yards and receptions as he had seven grabs for 94 yards with a TD now on the flip side for Dallas Dak Prescott had similar numbers to golf as he was 20 of 36 passing for 252 yards with three TDs and one pick while he was sacked once while Ezekiel Elliott had 85 yards on the ground Alfred Morris also had 76 yards on the ground and as a team Dallas had 189 yards on the ground. Now, Des Bryant did lead the way for the Cowboys receiving core with five receptions for 98 yards, but Dallas's defense simply could not stop the Rams and make those key plays, and thus they lost at home this afternoon. But for the Cowboys, it's plain and simple. They are finding out that it is not going to be as easy as it was last year for them to go out there and win games. And number one, I look at this Dallas defense because teams have really been able to run on them. And when you look at the difference in Dallas's wins as opposed to Dallas's losses, it comes down to their opponents and their ability to run the football on the Cowboys. We saw it a few weeks ago against the Denver Broncos, and we saw it again this afternoon versus the Rams. Now, on the flip side for the Rams, you look at the youngster at head coach and Sean McVay, And he has really done a terrific job in working with Jared Goff at quarterback. Jared Goff seems much more comfortable, and he seems much more sure of himself at quarterback this year as opposed to his rookie campaign. And I think a lot of it is due to the fact that McVay knows how to work with the youngster at quarterback. The Rams have gotten back to running the football effectively with Todd Gurley, who burst on the scene in 2015 for the Rams when they were still in St. Louis, but he really did not produce quality football for the Rams last year, and he's gotten back to that. And I think as long as the Rams are able to run the football effectively, I think Jared Goff has an opportunity to have a solid second-year campaign for them. Now, you look ahead to week number five for both of these teams. The Rams will be at home to host the Seattle Seahawks, while for the Cowboys in week number five – Let's see where Dallas is. Dallas will host the Green Bay Packers next Sunday afternoon. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, a team that shares the NFC East, with the Dallas Cowboys, are the New York football giants. And they were looking to get their first victory of the year this afternoon when they traveled to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. However, the Buccaneers would get the scoring going as midway through the first quarter, quarterback Jameis Winston connected with wide receiver Mike Evans from six yards out to give Tampa the 7 to nothing advantage. Later on in the first quarter, Winston would find rookie tight end O.J. Howard from 58 yards out to give the Bucks the 13 to nothing lead as Nick Folk mixed missed, excuse me, the extra point. Now it was 13 to 3 in favor of uh the Bucks late in the second quarter. When Eli Manning called his number, his own number, and ran it in from 14 yards out to make it 13 to 10, and it's sad that this is week number four, and we're talking about the Giants just getting their first rushing touchdown of the season. It was 16 to 10 late in the third quarter when Manning would find rookie running back Wayne Gallman from four yards out to give the Giants their first lead of the contest at 17 to 16. Now, midway through the through the fourth quarter. Uh, Winston would put the Bucks back in front as he found tight end Cameron Breit from 14 yards out to give Tampa the two point, the 22 to 17 lead. Tampa Bay would go for the two point conversion and fail, and thus they had to settle for the 22-17 to 17 lead. However, Manning would rally the Giants, and he would lead them down the field on a 10-play, 75-yard drive, which was capped off by his first touchdown pass of the game as he found tight end and H-back, whichever way you want to look at him, Ellison from two yards out to give New York the 23-22 to 22 lead. The Giants would go for the two-point conversion, and they were unsuccessful, and they were hoping that their defense would lead them to their first victory of the season. However, the Giants' defense could not shut the door on Tampa Bay, and with no time left, Nick Folt connected on a game-winning field goal from 34 yards out to give Tampa the 25-2 23 victory. Now you look inside of the numbers, the Giants were able to dominate time of possession as they had possessed the football this afternoon for more than 34 minutes. And a big reason for that was due to the fact that they were 8 of 17 on third down, while Tampa was just 3 of 11. The Giants only had one accepted penalty against them, but it was not enough as they simply could not close the door. You look inside of the numbers, Eli Manning was 30-49 of passing for 288 yards or two TDs and no picks, while Jameis Winston was 22-38 of passing for 332 yards or three TDs and no picks. Tampa had a buck 11 on the ground rushing, while the Giants actually did have 91 yards on the ground. Odell Beckham Jr. was kept out of the end zone today, but he did have seven grabs for 90 yards, while rookie tight end Evan Ingram had six receptions, for 62 yards but it comes down to the fact that this Giants defense could not put enough pressure on a Bucks quarterback James Winston as they only were able to sack him once and once again the Giants could not make the key plays when it mattered the most. We've seen this two weeks in a row now from the Giants where they had an opportunity to put an opponent away and they couldn't do it. We saw it last week against Philadelphia. And we saw it again today. And, of course, last week against the Eagles, Giants really came apart in the last three and a half minutes of this game. We saw them miss the opportunity to get that two-point conversion. And we heard throughout the preseason about this good defense of the Giants. But, once again, when they had an opportunity to take care of business late in this contest, New York came up short. And because of that, you're 0-4. And I can't even say – that the season is slipping away from the Giants, the season's gone. Because you're 0-4, you're 0-2 in the division, you're 0-4 in the NFC. Obviously, I mean, you don't have any tiebreakers going in your favor. And, I mean, if you're the Giants, just to get to 8-8 eight and eight now, you'd have to go 8-4 and four the rest of the way. It's not happening. So, I mean, this is another lost season. And I'll tell you like this. If the Giants don't find a way to at least get back to 500, I don't see how Jerry Reese survives this year as Giants general manager. And if Jerry Reese does not survive as Giants GM, I don't see how Ben McAdoo survives as the head coach. You look at New York, you know, their their offensive line was much maligned coming into this season Their offense struggled mightily in the first two games, first two-and-a-half games, rather. They finally got it going in the second half last week against the Philadelphia Eagles, but now all of a sudden their defense can't stop anybody. So I don't know what you do if you're the Giants. I mean, where do you go from here? Uh, Like I said, I mean, they they have put themselves in a very bad hole, and unless the teams that are in front of them in the NFC East regress in a bad way throughout the season, the Giants are going to be watching the playoffs from home come January. Now, on the flip side for the Bucs, I think they found a way to respond. We saw them go on the road last week and really get it handed to them at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings. And for them to come back and respond like this, this was a big-time win for a young football team. Now, looking ahead to week number five, the Giants will be at home as they host the Los Angeles Chargers. While for the Bucks, they have a very quick turnaround as they will be home this Thursday night to take on the New England Patriots. Now, the team that beat the Bucks last week was the Detroit Lions, and they found, pardon me, the Minnesota Vikings, and they found themselves at home today hosting the Detroit Lions. Now, late in the second quarter, the Vikings scored the first touchdown of the game with rookie running back Dalvin Cook punched it in from five yards out to give Minnesota the 7-3 to lead. And this capped off an 11-play 81-yard drive. However, that would be the Vikings' last and only touchdown today. And it was more than likely Cook's last touchdown of the season as he suffered a partially torn acl during this game and it's sad because this guy was showing all of the tools necessary to be the nfl offensive rookie of the year now it was seven to six midway through the third quarter in favor of minnesota when the lions scored their only touchdown of the game when it was curtain courtesy of a three-yard touchdown run by running back amir abdullah And the the Lions would go for the two-point conversion, and it was a successful pass from quarterback Matthew Stafford to wide receiver T.J. Jones. This Detroit defense would force three turnovers by the Vikings today, and they possessed the football today for nearly 36 and a half minutes as they went on the road and got the 14-7 victory versus the Vikings now for the Lions it was not pretty as Matt Stafford was only 19 of 31 passing for 209 yards and he was sacked six times by this Vikings defense but the big thing about it was the fact that Detroit was able to find some semblance of order in regards to rushing the ball today as Amir Abdullah had 94 yards on 20 carries to go along with a touchdown and if you were the Lions I think this team is really bought into what Jim Caldwell, their head coach, is selling. And, I mean, granted, we saw it last year because a lot of people forget that Detroit was a playoff team in 2016. But the thing is this. You look at it, it's not pretty, but it's effective. And when it comes down to football, I've said it before and I'll say it again, as long as you get your hand raised, that is all that matters. And, once again, this Lions bunch – it wasn't pretty, but they went out there and they found a way to win this contest. Now, for the Vikings, it's just like last year. Minnesota was dealing with a bevy of injuries, and we've we've seen it already. They had to go to Case Keenum at quarterback today. Still no Teddy Bridgewater. And, of course, Sam Bradford is out now with an injury. And they have to rely on their rock-solid defense more than ever. But it's just so tough when you're so top-heavy in one aspect of your team and you just simply cannot get – that balance needed to get you victories. Now, looking ahead to week number five for both of these clubs, Detroit will find themselves at home next Sunday afternoon to take on the Carolina Panthers, while Minnesota will be on the road next Monday night to take on the Chicago Bears. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626 231 Zero three zero nine now moving right along, it was an a f c South showdown as you had the one and two Houston Texans hosting the two and one Tennessee Titans, and we knew that the running games were going to have an impact on this contest. Houston got the scoring going early in the first quarter when Lamar Miller scored from two yards out to give the Texans a 7 to nothing lead. Houston would not stop there as they put together an 11-play 76-yard drive later in the first quarter, which was capped off when rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson found a former Clemson alum in DeAndre Duke Hopkins from eight yards out to give the Texans the 14 to nothing advantage. Houston would not stop there as on the first play of the second quarter, Watson found Will Fuller, from 16 yards out to make it 21 to nothing. The Titans attempted to rally and make it a game as on their ensuing drive, quarterback Marcus Mariota scored a 34-yard touchdown run after he's called his own number to make it 21 to 7. It was 24 to 7 in favor of Houston late in the second quarter, when Mariota scored his off again, this time from two yards out, to make it 24-14. to However, that touchdown run would be costly, as Mariota would have to leave the contest with a hamstring injury. And the momentum that Houston, or pardon me, Tennessee, was attempting to grab was thrown out of the window. As, as soon as the Titans made it 24-14, to Houston got the football right back, and Deshaun Watson scored on a one-yard run to make it 30-14 to at the half. Midway through the third quarter, the Texans would put this game away as Watson found Will Fuller again, and this capped off a 14-play, 75-yard drive, which ate up more than eight minutes of game clock, and this was the opening drive of the second half, and this made it 37-14. to And the Texans would not look back this afternoon – as they won going away by the score of 57 to 14. Now, this afternoon, Tennessee only possessed the football for a little bit more than 20 minutes. They also turned the football over five times. I don't care who you are. You are not going to win that many games at the peewee level if you only possessed the football for one-third of the game time. And it came down to the running game. Houston had 173 yards on the ground. Duke Hopkins had 10 receptions for a buck 07 with a TD. And Deshaun Watson looked very comfortable in that pocket today as he was 25 of 34 passing for 283 yards with four TDs and one interception. And I'll tell you like this, it has not taken Deshaun Watson that long to get adjusted to the pro game. And one word comes to mind, maturity. Deshaun Watson showed it throughout his collegiate time at Clemson, especially coming back to lead the Tigers to the national championship last season. And I think Deshaun Watson wants to go out there and humble some people because there were a lot of teams that passed over him in the first round of the NFL draft this past spring. And this guy can ball, plain and simple, and I think he's a winner. And I think this is a guy that within three or four years, he could have the Houston Texans in the Super Bowl now on the flip side for the Tennessee Titans we know that Tennessee is a running team and when it got to the point that it was 21 to nothing I figured that this game was over and the Titans proved me right why because they are a team that is not equipped to play comeback ball like that because they do not air it out and for the Tennessee Titans the only thing I could say is you know what this only counts as one loss even as bad as it was Yes, they were taken behind the woodshed. Yes, it looked very bad, but for them, they've got to find a, find a way to get back on track and get back on track very soon if they want to hang around in the AFC South. Now, for week number five, Houston will be at home on Sunday Night Football, excuse me, to host the Kansas City Chiefs, while Tennessee will look to get back on track next Sunday on the road versus. The Miami Dolphins. Now it was the 0 and 3 Los Angeles Chargers hosting the 2 and 1 Philadelphia Eagles this afternoon, and Philly got the scoring going midway through the first quarter when quarterback Carson Wentz found wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey from eight yards out to make it seven to nothing. Now after a pair of Jake Elliott field goals extended Philadelphia's lead to 13 to nothing, Los Angeles finally got on the board midway through the second quarter when veteran quarterback Philip Rivers connected with wide receiver Tyrell Williams from 75 yards out to make it 13-7. to Now, Elliott kept chipping away and extending Philly's lead, but the Chargers finally found the end zone once again early in the fourth quarter as Austin Eckler scored on a 35-yard run to make it 19-17. to However, the Chargers' defense could not stop Philadelphia's offense who put together a seven-play, 75-yard drive, which is capped off by a three-yard run from Wendell Smallwood. Now, the Chargers did attempt to rally as Rivers found tight end Hunter Henry from four yards out to make it 26-24. to 24. However, L.A. could not get any closer, and they fell at home this afternoon by the score of 26-24. to 24. Now, you look inside of the numbers, and Carson Wentz got the victory in Carson, California. He was 17 of 31 passing for 242 yards with a TD, while his counterpart Phillip Rivers was 22 of 38 passing for 347 yards with two TDs. But a big difference in this contest was Philly's ability to run the football. We know that Darren Sproles is not there as he was lost for the season last week versus the Giants. However, Philadelphia had 214 yards on the ground this afternoon with 136 of those coming from former Patriots running back LeGarrette Blunt, as he had 136 yards on 16 carries. Zach Ertz stepped up today with five receptions for 81 yards, while Keenan Allen did have a big day for the uh, Chargers, as he had five receptions for 138 yards. And for Philly, we saw how tough this team was last year because – they were 7-9, and nine, and they still were in last place in the NFC East. So that really gave you an idea of how difficult that, that division was. But they, you know, they, they simply went out there and took care of their business. Uh, they got the victory versus a team that they were supposed to beat. And this Philadelphia Eagles team, early on in the season, they are looking pretty good. And as of right now, they have their stuff together, and they're looking like the team to beat the NFC East. Now, on the flip side for the Chargers, what can you say? This team consistently goes out there and finds ways to lose games. And now you're 0-4. You're trying to establish a fan base in the L.A. area. And if you're not winning games, it ain't going to happen. I don't care who you have on this team. Now, heading into week number five, the Chargers will be on the road as they'll make the long trek cross country to take on the New York Giants while the Eagles will be at home to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, in the Battle of Ohio, you had the winless Cincinnati Bengals making the trip north to take on the winless Cleveland Browns. And it was just going to be a matter of who would answer the bell in this contest. Now, the Bengals got this party started early in the second quarter when quarterback Andy Dalton found his BFF in wide receiver A.J. Green from seven yards out. To give Cincy the seven to nothing advantage. Now late in the second quarter, the Bengals would extend their lead as Dalton found Tyler Croft from three yards out, and this capped off a 13-play 88-yard drive, which ate up nearly seven and a half minutes of game time as Cincinnati was up now 14 to nothing. And just before the first half ended, Dalton found running back Giovanni Bernard on a 61 yard touchdown pass to give the Bengals the commanding 21 to nothing lead at the half. That was all that Cincinnati would need this afternoon as they cruised to the very smooth and easy 31 to 7 victory. And you look inside of the numbers, Andy Dalton had one of his best games as a pro as he was 25 of 30 passing for 286 yards with four TDs, most importantly, no interceptions while he was sacked three times. His counterpart and rookie quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser, was 16 of 34 passing for 118 yards, and he never got it going. And I look at this Bengals team. They were dominated at home by the Ravens in week one. They lost a tight one in week two at home at the hands of the Houston Texans. They came back and were game last week on the road versus the Packers after the Bengals did make the change in offensive coordinators, firing Bill Lazor and going with Ken Zampezi. or pardon me, firing Ken Zampezi and going with uh, Bill Lazor. And you look at this team right now, and they finally got on track. Why? Because they found a squad that was worse than them. And sometimes all it takes is just that one victory to get the ball rolling and get things turned around. And it's good that Cincinnati got the win, but I don't think that they have what it takes to be a playoff team now just due to the fact that they put themselves in such a tough hole. But for the Cleveland Browns, what can you say? It's the same on song. It's a new year. The Browns still don't have a win, and I really don't see too many more wins or too many more opportunities, rather, for victories on the docket this year for the Cleveland Browns. This is the type of organization that we are dealing with. Now, you look ahead to week number 5 for both of these clubs, and Cleveland will be at home to host the New York Jets while Cincinnati will be at home to take on the Buffalo Bills. Now, this morning in London, you had the 1 and 2 New Orleans Saints taking on the 1 and 1 Miami Dolphins, and for the second week in a row, we saw a lopsided victory or a lopsided game, rather, go on in the UK as the Dolphins cruised, or oh, pardon me, the Dolphins were shut out, rather, at the hands of the Saints 20 to nothing. And inside of this contest, Drew Brees, the Saints starting quarterback, was 29 to 41 passing for 268 yards or two TDs and no pick, while his counterparts, his counterpart, rather, in Jay Cutler, was 20 of 28 passing for a buck sixty-four with no TDs and an interception, and he was sacked four times by the Saints' defense. And you want to talk about a difference that two weeks make. The Dolphins went out there a few weeks ago and found a way to get the victory on the road against the Chargers, and a lot of us thought that they had what it took to get back to the postseason. While the Saints were 0-2, and it looked like this was going to be another downward year on the bayou for them. However, New Orleans responded last week. They went on a road and they dominated the Carolina Panthers. And this week, we saw them go on the road once again and dominate the Miami Dolphins. And for the Fins, what can you say? Uh, Jay Cutler has shown the same Jay Cutler tendencies that we saw from him throughout his time with the Chicago Bears. As he had the interception today, he wasn't on the same page with his wide receivers. And this was a guy with, you know, the all-shucks look that, you know, he's simply not going out there and making it happen. And Miami has gotten away from what made them good last year. The Dolphins have to find a way to run the football. They can't run the football. Forget about it. They don't have a chance. So, I mean, at some point it's gut check time. I figured last week, what was going to be that opportunity. Why? Because Miami went on the road and were dominated by the Jets. But, I mean, we can't lose the fact that this team has not played a home game yet this season and we're going into week number five. So that just gives you an, an idea of what they've were, what they been struggling with, uh, you know, as they were moved around due to the aftermath of one Hurricane Irma. But for the Finns, it's gut check time. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it right now. you got to find a way. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road, and you got to go out there, and you got to find a way to take care of your business. Now, you look ahead to week number five for both of these clubs. Miami will finally have their first home game, official home game of the year, when they host the Tennessee Titans, while for New Orleans in week number five, they head into their bye week. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, after the Jets shocked the Dolphins, they were looking to get back to five hundred today as they hosted the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Jacksonville got the scoring going midway through the first quarter, when they put together a 10-play 61-yard drive, which was capped off when quarterback Blake Bortles found rookie running back Leonard Fournette for his first touchdown reception of his NFL career to give the Jaguars the early 7 to nothing advantage. However, any momentum that Jacksonville had was immediately taken away as on the Jets' first play from scrimmage after that touchdown drive, Bilal Powell, scampered 75 yards for a touchdown run to knock the score at seven apiece. Now it was tied at 10 early in the third quarter when the Jets offense exploded for another big play. This time it was running back Elijah McGuire from 69 yards out to give the Jets their first lead of the game at 17 to 10. It was 20 to 10 in favor of the Jets heading to the fourth quarter before Jacksonville was able to rally miles Jack, picked up an eighty one yard fumble return and returned it for a touchdown to make it twenty to seventeen and with just under a minute left in regulation, Jason Myers connected on his second field goal of the game to not the score at twenty apiece. However, the overtime period was not for the faint of heart as both of these teams went out of their way to find ways to lose this contest and it was Jacksonville that would ultimately find a way to lose as they fell this afternoon on the road to the Jets in overtime by the score of 23-20. And you look inside at the numbers, Blake Bortles had a typical Blake Bortles game as he was 15 of 35 passing for just 140 yards with a TD and a pick while he was sacked one time. Jacksonville did have some success on the ground as they had 175 yards rushing with 86 of those coming from Leonard Fournette. But you look at this Jets offense, which produced 256 yards on the ground, 163 from Bilal Powell, and 93 from Elijah McGuire. While Josh McCown was sacked five times, and he did throw a pick, but he still managed to go 22 of 31 for 224 yards. And most importantly, he didn't go out there and lose the game for the Jets as Gang Green found a way to get to the 500 mark this afternoon. And if you're the Jets, you know, you got some momentum for yourself uh, last week after you got the victory versus uh, the Miami Dolphins at home, and now you were able to capitalize off of that and keep that momentum going for yourself as you were able to pick up the W today against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And for the Jags, it's plain and simple. If you want to be a playoff team or you want to be a respectable team first, these are the contests that you must go out there and find a way to win. Jacksonville, unfortunately, was not able to do that. And because of that, they made the trek to the Meadowlands, and they came up short as they lost a tough one in overtime. Now for Jacksonville for next Sunday, they will be on the road once again. It's time to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, while the Jets will venture on the road to take on the Cleveland Browns. And finally, it was the winless San Francisco 49ers traveling to the desert to take on the 1-2 and two Arizona Cardinals, and once again, the 49ers found themselves as a game team, as they gave Arizona all that they could. They fought, scrapped, and clawed for four quarters. This game went to overtime. The 49ers took the opening possession of overtime and marched down the field on a 17-play, 73-yard drive, which ate up more than seven and a half minutes of the game clock. And the only time that Arizona touched the football following robbie gold's fifth field goal of the game for san francisco they scored the game's only touchdown in the contest at which as with just about 30 seconds left in the overtime frame cardinals quarterback carson palmer found veteran wide receiver larry fitzgerald in the end zone for the 19 yard touchdown game winner to give arizona the 18 to 15 victory and for palmer he was 33 of 51 passing today for 357 yards with a TD and a pick while he was sacked six times by this Niners defense. Jerron Brown led the way with eight receptions for a buckle five for Arizona while Andre Ellington had nine grabs for 86 yards coming out of the backfield. And I'll tell you like this for Kyle Shanahan in his first year as a head coach, this team is going out there and they're fighting Every single week, they are simply coming up short. Uh, You know, we saw it a few weeks ago for the Niners in Seattle when they lost a heartbreaker to the Seahawks. We saw it last Thursday night when the Niners lost a tough one at the hands of the Rams, and we saw it again this afternoon. So at some point, the 49ers are going to get somebody at some point in the season, and I see them, as long as they don't quit on Kyle Shanahan, they're going to go out there. And they're going to derail the hopes of a playoff team in the second half of the season. And for the Cards, what can you say? This was a game that you needed to win, and they found a way to win that game because you want to try to keep pace with the Los Angeles Rams for the top spot in that NFC West. And this was a game that they simply could not afford to lose. Now, you look ahead. To week number 5 for both of these clubs San Francisco will be on the road To take on the Indianapolis Colts While for Arizona They will be on the road as well To take on the Philadelphia Eagles Folks, as always The call in number is going to be 626-231-0309 I repeat 626-231-0309 And after 4 weeks of play It is the Buffalo Bills who find themselves in first place in the AFC East. And hopefully, if you're the Bills, you want to try to find a way to keep that up as you look to end the NFL's longest current playoff drought, which dates back to 1999. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers with a one-game lead, theoretically two-game lead, now over the Baltimore Ravens as a result of their win this afternoon. And if you're Pittsburgh, like I said before, these are the games that you have to win as you want to extend yourself and potentially get a first round bye in the AFC in the AFC South. Jacksonville, Houston, and Tennessee are all 2-and-2, two two. and if the Colts find a way to hold on this evening versus the Seattle Seahawks, they will be 2-and-2 two two as well. The Kansas City Chiefs did not play today. They will host the Washington Redskins tomorrow night on Monday Night Football but they currently have a half-game lead over the Denver Broncos while the Raiders have taken a step back. The Philadelphia Eagles are sitting pretty right now, but the Washington Redskins could tie them for the top spot in the NFC East with a victory tomorrow on the road in Kansas City. However, Philly still holds the tiebreaker over washington due to their week one victory in the nfc north green bay and detroit are tied with a record of three and one while minnesota is taking a step back with a record of two and two and on top of that the injuries are beginning to mount for the vikings so the playoffs look like they once again will be a long shot for the purple gang here in 2017 in the nfc south Carolina and Atlanta are tied for first place with a record of 2-1, 3-1 rather, while in the NFC West, it's the Rams who are leading the way. And you look to week number five in regards to the showdowns. First and foremost, Atlanta, Denver, New Orleans, and Washington all have buys. But the action will get started this Thursday night when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers host the New England Patriots. And I guarantee you the Pats will look to get back on track, especially on the defensive side of the ball where they have struggled in the early stages here in 2017. Now moving ahead to next Sunday, it's going to be the Buffalo Bills traveling to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. And this Bills defense is really beginning to figure it out. While if you're Cincinnati, you want to try to build off of the momentum that you got today with your victory versus the browns speaking of those browns they will host the new york jets next sunday afternoon and coming into this uh, season rather many people expected that this was going to be a battle for the first overall pick in next year's draft however the jets are not sticking to the script as they are winning games and they want to go out there and upset some more people's expectations of them next sunday when they take on the browns In Cleveland at Ford Field, it's going to be a battle of three and one teams as you're going to have the Carolina Panthers clashing with the Detroit Lions. And like I said before, with the Lions, it always isn't pretty, but it is effective. And I think this should be a good old fashioned slobber knocker as both of these teams look to move to four and one on the season. It's going to be the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Indianapolis Colts. And I will guarantee you one thing, both of these teams are going to go out there and play hard, which will make for a very exciting contest next Sunday afternoon. In Miami, the Dolphins get their first official home game of the year when they take on the Tennessee Titans. And after the Titans got the brakes beat off of them today, they'll look to get back on track while it's been two weeks in a row where the Dolphins have been suspect at best on offense. Next Sunday afternoon in the Meadowlands, somebody has to get their first win of the season as the Giants are going to be hosting the Chargers. And if you're the Giants, if you can't win this game, and i tell you right now, the Giants start 0-5, if you're Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese, you might as well simply go ahead and pack your bags. Next Sunday afternoon in Philly, you're going to have the 2-2 and Arizona Cardinals taking on the 3-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. And in this Battle of the Birds, the Eagles are expected to win as they are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And I know that the Cards are dealing with injuries, and they have not played good on offense this season at all. But Philadelphia cannot look past this Arizona team. Next Sunday afternoon in Pittsburgh, you're going to see the 3-1 and one Steelers hosting the 2-2 two and two Jacksonville Jaguars. As I mentioned earlier, Pittsburgh has opened as a nine-point favorite, but typically when the Steelers are big-time favorites, especially at home, they play down to their competition. Next Sunday afternoon, you're going to have the 2-2 Oakland Raiders taking on the 2-2 Baltimore Ravens. And this game right here simply comes down to the health and availability of quarterback Derek Carr for the Silver and Black. It will be the Seattle Seahawks traveling to take on the los angeles rams and there is no love lost between these two clubs and the nfc west which means that we should be in store for a very physical contest next sunday afternoon at the la coliseum you're going to have the green bay packers traveling to take on the dallas cowboys and the fact that dallas lost at home today to the rams makes you wonder if they looked past the rams and they were focused too much on the green bay packers but i guarantee you that the Packers will have the Cowboys full attention next Sunday afternoon and what should be one of the better and more entertaining games of 2017. Now, next Sunday night, you're going to have the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to take on the Houston Texans. And if there is one team that has given the Texans problems more than any other over the past few years, it's the folks from KC under head coach Andy Reid. And finally, on Monday Night Football next week, it's a good old-fashioned NFC North rivalry renewal as you're going to have the 2-2 two and two Minnesota Vikings taking on the 1-3 Chicago Bears. And as the Vikings are currently dealing with a rash of injuries and as the Bears are young and hungry and looking to get on track, this should be a very interesting game as I still think that the Bears could be a force in the nfc north this year so folks that is going to wrap it up and as always i want to take this time out to thank you for tuning into the 300 pounds of sports knowledge show i'll be back on the air next sunday night at 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific wrapping up week number five of the nfl season but you can also catch me on here tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, as I will be breaking down the upcoming Major League Baseball playoffs. Now, if you are on Twitter, please feel free to follow me at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is the Facebook page at 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. You can check it out, and you are more than welcome to like it as well. And as always, You can always check me out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com, where I fancy myself as being the total sports package for the total fan. And today I talked about the struggles of Butch Jones and his Tennessee Volunteers football program. As always, much love to 150 pounds of sports knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. And as always, much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope. And like I always say, it is a pleasure to watch her grow and develop and continue to, to develop on a daily basis. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care, and thanks once again for tuning into to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com. <laughs>